Single Simulcast is about a lot of things. This podcast may make you laugh, cry, or pound your fists into your desk. If you hear something you like or something you don't, leave a voicemail at 916-572-9016 or email us at singlesimulcast at gmail.com. One. Single. Simulcast. A non-person of color uh, asked in this business group that I'm in a question, and then I said, well, I'm doing such and such without explicitly saying so. And she was like, take a position, girl. You know, be explicit. Like, do it. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) And she was like all for my original message. So then I feel like I'm flapping in the wind. You know, like I'm, uh, I don't know. Um, I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, uh, I, I don't know what to say anymore. So I just feel like when I feel like this is the time when I should just be still and like not keep making changes because then, you know, you never land anywhere, I guess. I don't know. Very true. Um, the one thing that I would say, well, other than the fact that I, I simply loved the original name, I thought that it was a beautiful name. Um, I thought that it made me want to listen like it in that podcast group, which I think it was a podcast movement group, uh, mm-hmm. which is, I'd say, 95 percent white folks, mm-hmm. uh, probably about 3 percent black. And then the rest are uh, unknown or, or, you know, nonspecific races. Your yeah. show's name stood out. Yeah, and and all of that when people were putting because I think that I first saw your show's name in the midst of somebody asking um, what's your show and why like basically what's the elevator speech for your show which is something I always ask podcasters mm-hmm. uh, because you never know when you might run into somebody who's like I'm looking to produce a show you have uh, two minutes or even less you have 25 seconds to tell me about your show go um and when you said the name of the show, I was just like, whoa, okay, I would like to talk with them. I would like to uh, have the opportunity to hear more about this because uh, I, listeners, I don't know if y'all know this, but black kids are fucking magic. Black folks are magic. Mm-hmm. Black women are magic. For black women to ordain our kids as magic is, to me, a way of passing the torch uh, from one yeah. to the next. Um Woke kid sounds like somebody who just woke up from a nap. Like you, uh-uh. <laughs> it sounds like a, a a podcast where you're gonna have like nursery rhymes in the background. Like now nah, we're all gonna laugh and play, laugh and play. That and that's does not. Well, because white folks will hear that and and think that it's it, everything's okay. not made for everybody, you know. And and they well, can find no, that's and, funny that you say that because I was listening to um. Solange's last album and she was like this shit is for us like you can't have everything mm-hmm. and it, you saying that just reminded me of that and I don't know like I have this this insecurity because I'm mixed and um and so th- therefore like I don't have one real identity mm-hmm. and so I have been back and forth depending on what side of my family I'm with at the time. And so 
when black people come at me in a certain way, I get very nervous because I'm like, okay, am I not being black enough right now? Am I not black enough to do this or say this or, you know, whatever? I don't even look black half the time to people. So it's, um, it's weird to have all these emotions that are like associated with being black, but then half the time not being acknowledged as such. So it's this, me changing the name of it, I guess is part of that insecurity. Um, my daughter is biracial, uh, black and white. Um, and one of the funniest fucking people, by the way, you can fucking cuss, by the way. <laughs> Single Cast episode 295. Uh, Shantae's not here uh, tonight. She had some, um, well, she had to be a good mom. How the fuck dare you uh, go hang out with your kids instead of doing a podcast? Who the fuck raised you to be responsible? I'm, you know, it's wonderful. She'll be here on Friday. It's, it's no <laughs> She was like, yo. She actually said, yo, can I go hang out with my kids? And I'm like, what the fuck kind of tyrant do you think I am? No! Aww. Um, <laughs> I, I am joined just real quick before we get back into this great conversation i am joined uh by janaya and by deidre uh janaya has a show that the title is in flux right now um, yeah <laughs> flux. Uh, we're working through it yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're just gonna call it um woke kids podcast parentheses black kid magic um, okay. <laughs> and, and Deidre has a podcast that y'all have heard. She, uh, called my details, uh, personal, personal favorite. We'll get to that in a second. My daughter is biracial and she tells me all the time that, um, the difference between her life here and her life with her mom, because we have joint custody of her, um, yeah. is that her mom, uh, her mom's side doesn't tend to be as sympathetic uh, to her as her black side is uh, with certain mm-hmm. issues, but her black side is less aware of her white side. Um, like the black side knows the white side. We just don't give a fuck. We all go by the one drop rule. So we don't yeah. really sort of, we don't, <laughs> we don't really censor. Our, our 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 thoughts and our words like uh when Stefan Clark got uh killed earlier this year when uh Sandra Bland got murdered by the police when uh that white woman called 911 for the folks who were cooking in the park in Oakland Oh did you see all that Twitter stuff they've made about her now Lord yeah. Oh yes the she they've got her image in the corner and uh she's calling the police on black people for doing all kinds of normal stuff <laughs> The, the life that it's giving us is amazing. I think the official hashtag is Barbecue Becky or Cookout Becky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the official hashtag that everyone's using when memeing this hoe. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm on the other spectrum. Like, I don't know, maybe Saturday and Sunday, I got all the life. I was laughing so hard at the memes. Now I'm so sick of her face. Like, mm. when I see it, I just get angry. You know what well, I mean? You I can like, tell how, I mean, she's got on all black, black sunglasses, long sleeves in the park on a sunny day. Like, her mood generally was, I'm about to let somebody know how I feel today. And the black yeah. people. And that's why I've said, like, the whole police brutality thing. I I feel like these people who beat on 
like um, vulnerable populations, i.e. persons of color, I feel like they have certain personality traits already mm-hmm. and they target vulnerable people so that they don't have to answer for their actions. So generally they're abusive tyrants already. And then you see black persons, oh, you know, there's my next target in addition to obviously being racist. So this might like streak, like uh, bother some people. But for me, when I think of people who want to be police officers, that's a red flag for me. And that that's just started. I don't I haven't Mm -hmm. always felt that way. But it's like what? What in your mindset wants you to be able to enforce the law? You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know. It just seems like, you know, that hurts my heart. My daughter wants to be a police officer. And today I used it against her. She um, she's 10. She'll be 11 Mm -hmm. in a couple of weeks. And she's been wanting to be a police officer. And she's been a police officer probably her whole life. She mm-hmm. had her two brothers in a corner one time for reasons I don't know. And they listened. They were afraid of her. <laughs> and um, and so, but today she did something so bad. She threw her cell phone at her brother's head while he was walking away from her after he said something she didn't like. Needless to say, she's no longer a cell phone carrying child. Uh-oh. And I said, And I said to her, you physically injured your brother. When he was walking away from you, congratulations, you're definitely on your way to being a police officer, wow. you know, and then like, I don't even know if that was the right thing to say, but I just to see the indifference mm-hmm. when she caused pain to her twin brother and then had no remorse, like he cried and she had no remorse. And I was just like. This is my freaking child. Like what? That's and, tough. Yeah, and she and, and she. Oh, I want to be a police officer. She was a police officer for, you know, Halloween, and I'm just sitting here like, ugh. Now, yeah. She after after uh, you spoke with her, did her mindset change uh, in regards to the situation? Uh, did she show any remorse? Her tears didn't appear until I told her her, that she was no longer allowed to have any screen in her hands for the next two weeks that her phone was confiscated indefinitely Mm. and that she had to do all of her brother's chores for two weeks Mm, kill shot (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean and I didn't want this was a moment where I didn't want to physically like you know I didn't want to spank her Mm-hmm. Because the physical altercation was the issue, so I didn't want to answer that with like a spanking. Yeah, so, it would have been like a chicken and egg situation, you know. Yeah. So you I hit him, so I'm gonna hit you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you not to hit him. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that wouldn't have helped. She, she seems like the type of child who would have been like, "Yo, why you hitting me when you just told me not to hit him? Give me your phone." Mm-hmm. Give me your phone and somewhere along the line we came back. And she is that child. She is that one. She will call me out. (laughs) You know, which is I'm I'm finding, (laughs) I I am finding after our last episode that we had uh, where we were talking about the phrase because I said so and uh, Mm -hmm. do as I do not as I say. 
Um, I'm finding that a lot of the folks that I tend to admire their uh, fearlessness in this world, their their outspokenness, uh, are the, the ones who, as kids, were encouraged to dissent. The ones who were... Uh, their parents uh, had open conversations with them about stuff instead of just closing all conversations with the phrase because I said so. So your daughter has a foot up in the world as far as that. Um, however, uh, two things. One, the uh, use of the tears to try and get out of a situation. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. She cried. She knew that she wasn't getting out of it. But when she sat and thought about all of the punishments I laid down, like once I walked out of the room, I heard her crying. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that there was that. I think she had to think about it sunk in and then she started to cry and then she went and laid in her bed and like acted like the world was over. And I was like, uh-uh, get up. You got you got double chores to do now. Get to, get this <laughs> Mm-mm. No, I don't. I don't know how y'all do it with like the tiny humans. I cannot. <laughs> like those jokers are emotional terrorists. Like, I oh my goodness, they are. I don't. Do you know I don't that? have kids, but I work with them, and I consider myself a super auntie. I knew early on. I'm talking like early on, like as a teenager, that I didn't want to have kids, and it's not like you know one of those. You know, I'm too fabulous to be a mom. Nothing like that. I just know, like, the level of dedication and to do it the right way, you have to be a certain type of person. And my mom was an amazing mother, but I saw the sacrifices that she she did, like, and she gave to make us happy and comfortable. And I just realized that, you know, I don't really want that for me. A different version, but not that version. And so, um, but yeah, kids are trill as hell, man. They're like, and they know what they're doing. They know. Oh, yeah, they are scientists. And, they are yeah. freaking scientists. They figured, they went through a phase where they would use the phrase, I love you, to try to get things. Oh, yeah. Like, mm. and I I caught on real quick because I'm super emotional. Like, I know all the emotions. You can't, you can't manipulate me like that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just like, oh, Ma, I love you, mommy. And I'm like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? Yeah. It's coming. They want something. No one just, I love you. Like, kids are not like that. I, the TV wants you to think that I love you comes spontaneously with all uh-huh. of the, no, that comes at bedtime in the morning, maybe. And like, maybe every once in a while, it doesn't come in the middle of the day just because they're feeling it. <laughs> So, so if I may, so I, I was a preschool teacher. This is one of my favorite preschool stories, talking about kids and what they know and how they pick up on things from their parents. So there was this little kid in my class. His name was Grant. And every time Grant would get in trouble, this is what he would say. I'm sorry, Miss James. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Let me prove it to you, baby. Let me prove it to you. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yes. Baby Daddy like... or his mama's boyfriend say that. Yes. <laughs> and we would crack up so hard because he was looking at you like, like, why are you laughing at me? I mean it, baby. Just let me prove it to you. I'm so sorry. You know I won't do it again. That's a cute one, but I'll, I'll give you a dark one. Uh-oh. Okay. A dark one. I went to domestic violence training. Because I thought that I was going to save women. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was the motivation for that. We will leave it there. And I went to domestic violence training. It was like a month of weekends. And by the end of it, I knew that I was too chicken shit to go through with it because I would be crying with those women. One of the stories that really got to me was this woman who said that her moment, her moment came when like the moment she knew she had to get out. Mm -hmm. And for every woman who is in that situation is different. She had two sons. And when her son told her, I'm going to tell daddy to give you a spanking. Oh, wow. Because they are used to seeing daddy give mommy a spanking when she's in trouble. And she knew at that moment that her children were getting used to a norm that shouldn't be a norm for any child. So, like, kids literally have no guile. Like, they, they reflect their world as they see it. And... So it's it's sometimes it's cute and sometimes it's scary. Mm-hmm. Like you know. So yeah, I'm sorry I took it there. Oh, I no, took it. No. I mean, it's real. <laughs> this, it's real. this show isn't a show that's all fun and games. It's a show that is what it is. Um and a lot of times it is talking about how uh the manipulation of children's minds starts at a very young age from something as innocuous as uh, a dad telling their kids when, when mommy calls them into the front room to have a talk with them all, daddy telling them, don't worry about what your mom says. It's nothing serious. Uh, uh, You don't have to to pay attention to what your mom says. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, After your mom does this, we're going to go do this or parents trying to, uh, compete with one another while married to one another. Um, well, let me ask your opinion on something. Yes, ma'am. So I was listening to the radio this morning, and I won't. I don't know if I should mention their name or not. I don't know if that's a thing, but they do Go these call the Rula and Ryan show. Okay. The Rula, whatever you call it, Russ Rula. I don't know. And they're funny most of the time. Although I don't know why they have to do the segment about what you're doing at the courthouse because usually you can tell it's black people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing. So this woman called in to get their help because apparently Mother's Day was spent all alone. He promised he would get the kids home for Mother's Day. And he said, I'll get, I'm taking the kids out of town, but I'll have them back in plenty of time. She had plans to go to her mother's house with the kids, but she spent all day waiting for a call or waiting for him to show up. He wouldn't answer any of her calls. She was calling all day. So she ended up never leaving her home all day because she didn't know when he would come back because he wouldn't answer calls or text messages. And so he didn't she didn't spend the day with her mother. She didn't spend the day with her children. And so he wouldn't talk to her, but he answered the phone because it was a different number. And that's how the radio got him. And they were like, do you understand how inconsiderate that was that you could have at least told her you would have been late or something? And he's like, she's always making it about herself. You know, Mother's Day, what is that? Teaching the kids that they should only honor their mother on that one day. Like the kids had a great time. You know, we went here. We went there. They had a wonderful time. You know, whatever. Like he he had no just no idea and no respect for the fact that he told her one thing and then he completely ignored and disregarded her time for the entire day. And the kids didn't get home until nine o'clock at night. 
See, mm. now that's, that's, first of all, that's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, that's emotional abuse. Uh, yeah. Third of all, he's holding everybody hostage. And while he's saying this, he's giving this um, fake idea that um, he's doing it to show her love. Like every day we give her respect every day, but you don't even have the respect to honor what you said you were going to do. You don't even have that sort of respect for your 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 significant other or, or if she's your ex, your your children's mother or even your children because your kids want to spend time with their mom. And you know that inherently it is Mother's Day. Um, yeah. The. When. You know, every so often Facebook, well, every so often, fuck it. Every single day Facebook pops up and they're like, remember this? And mm-hmm. nine times out of mm-hmm. ten, I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. But every so often there's something that's not. Like when the posts come up around Mother's Day uh, that I liked back in like 2014, 2013, where it was um, all the love for mothers. I hope the fathers get the same love without moms without people saying that their moms need to get love on mother's day too not or on father's day too no that's not how it works and when you say that sort of stuff you sound immature you sound stunted and you are encouraging your children to follow in your footsteps if you make this promise if you have this relationship with 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 your children's mom if you don't have this relationship with your children's mom just let them go with her you don't have to what he basically did was made this day about him yeah so yeah he canceled you, out we all had fun with dad today didn't we we all, we had so much fun and with that, daddy that's what he was saying as he dropped him off didn't y'all have fun with me didn't y'all have a good time with me oh your mom's gonna be she she might have a bit of an attitude but it's okay because y'all had a great time with me and that's just that's 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 incredibly abusive because she when they talk to her they're gonna see the frustration on her face the 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 honest fear like i would have been panicked if i wasn't able to reach my kids all day long and i'm calling over and over again and you're not answering when you told me that you were gonna be here i'm a worrier Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a warrior, but I'm a warrior, and I would be like, "Yo, are my kids okay? Why isn't somebody answering?" And for you to answer from a different line, nigga, we we need to go back to court. Look, my mother did that to me one day. My, I really? almost, I almost had a panic attack. Okay, I was in a relationship. We were living together. He was so panicked by how panicked I was because my mother and I disagreed on something. And I don't remember exactly what it was now. That's how insignificant it probably was. And then she just did the thing. My mom, she did this thing where she just wouldn't answer the phone. And then she did it for hours. And I was calling and I was sobbing and I was sobbing not out of like, I was just so angry. She, Because I had them for a limited period of time. That was when they were all with their dad. And I had them for like two weeks. And I was like, okay, I guess they can go with you for a couple of days. All I get is like 14 days. So yeah, but you definitely got to bring them back when you say you are. And then she extended the time like two or three times and it was making me real nervous and frustrated. And then she did this thing where she didn't want to answer the phone. I was so irate. And she was like, oh, Janae, I just didn't want to like talk like that in front of people. I said, mom, I am, I am not the one. If you have my kids, you have to answer the phone. Do you know that I almost got in the car 
because she was she's like three and a half hours away. And my boyfriend is like, you know, do we need to get in the car? Do we need to go somewhere? Like, what's going on? What do we what do we got to do? And I'm just going crazy. You can't cut off access from parent to child like that's not a thing. You cannot do that. My kids, as soon as they got phones, I texted their father their personal phone numbers. Plus, he has the house number that the kids have access to. He's got my, my number. He knows what school they go to. He knows everything. Like, I treat him how I want him to treat me. I need all access, all information, all the time. I can't imagine you telling me, yeah, I'll have him back in time in the morning and then all day till 9 o'clock in the night. I'm waiting for my kids. Like, you can't answer the phone? Oh, goodness. And and I think that it also needs to be... um stated at this point in time that you aren't obligated you aren't obligated to show your parents respect if they are disrespectful oh no Mm -hmm. Um, just because of who they are and and their place and bring you into this world that's that's where it stops if they don't show you the respect that is necessary uh or or show you what you need in order to thrive in this world and if your mom is um disrespecting your 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 wishes uh your rules or or whatever you have with your kids um mom got to get checked you know and 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 i say that from an experienced place like i've had a situation where and it wasn't that big of a deal my mom will quite simply do shit for my kids that she would never do for me. And then when I was like, Why are you doing for my kids, she'd be like, because I'm old enough to know that they like this. And then when I'd say, well, I know from my experience that it wasn't the great, the best thing for me to have at this time. She was like, don't talk to them like that. It's like, mom, I, I'm not trying to be mean or anything to them. I'm just trying to, I told them that they couldn't have it. And so, you're going behind my back and doing this. And it's the same thing as what that woman's ex was doing as far as taking them out on mother's day. Um, it's well, you know, I, I just, I, I'm grandma and I, I got to do these things because I want, I, I love them and they're, but you still got to do it within the framework of the, the, that I've built, you know, yeah. it's, it's my kids and I need to have this, this area, this safe space for them where they can grow and thrive. So like if my mom is telling my kids and this is completely hypothetical, please do not send my mom hate mail for this. Um, (laughs) If your mom is telling your kids about the gay agenda or about how, because for some reason, black folks have a real problem with LBGTQIA folks. For some reason, mm-hmm. like it's it's through the church, through politics, through whatever reasons, they just aren't there yet. And some of them just ain't going to get there. So when you get around certain aunts and uncles, they going to talk like they going to talk. And if you try and say something to them, they're like, well, this is the way I grew up. Well, I don't want my kids to grow up that way. Yeah. So if you can refrain from having that conversation around them otherwise we're going to have a conversation where you're going to get mad at me because i'm going to try my hardest to show you the error of your ways peacefully kindly because again you're an elder and you know i love you but you can't do this yeah my my sister sister had to take take up for me one day because we're all together my two sisters my brother my mom me all the cousins and and 
my daughter does something and I can't remember what it is. And then first my first I say something to her. Then she defends herself. Then auntie says something. Then grandma says something. And everyone and I suddenly feel like my daughter is kind of being attacked Mm -hmm. by all these adults. I don't feel like that many adults needs to be correcting my child at one time. Like I have no problem with aunties and everyone correcting children. But like all at once is a bit much. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Okay, okay, 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 okay." I put my hand up to everybody and I grabbed her to myself. And I whispered in her ear what I wanted her to know. And I said, now go sit down with the kids. And then my mom was like, well, I mean, you have a problem with what I said. And I'm like, no, but everyone at once is too much. And I can tell by my daughter's body language that she was feeling embarrassed. And then my little sister says she has the right to decide what she wants her daughter to hear or not hear and when she, when it, when it's enough and i knew my sister said that because she feels that about her own daughter that's my choice you know if i decide that it's enough and your correction has reached its limit then it's my prerogative to say enough and you know scale it back and we actually need more black parents to do that for our kids um, because a lot of us are still in that mindset of, okay, uh, it takes a village. And it does take a village to an extent to raise a child. But even if it takes a village, I'm still the mayor, nigga. <laughs> yes. you you're the mayor, I'm the president. And I'll keep going one above you. You're not going to uh, continue to get on my kids when I say that's enough. You're not yeah. going to talk bad about my kids. You're not going to try and pit my kids against one another. I have some kids who are... Um, I have, I never call them stepchildren. I don't. They call them bonus kids. I, I just call them my kids. That's awesome though. Bonus <laughs> kids. Um, they've been with us since one was four and the other was six, three and six actually. Um, they're my kids, you know, 11 years later, they're still here. You know, they're <laughs> still in my house. They've learned what they've learned from me. They're my kids. My father, their grandfather, refused to acknowledge them and would acknowledge mm. the two that were biological and not the two who were uh, my wife's biological children. Um, always would take the two, would try and take the two who were biological out with him while one of the biologicals was only like six, seven months old. He'd come by and try and grab them in the night. Like, I'm taking these kids here. Whoa. We had to end up cutting him off. I haven't spoken to him in years. Wow. uh, Because they notice. Why aren't, A, why is grandpa being mean to me? Kids are aware of situations like we treat kids like they have a different brain than we have. Like, oh, their brains aren't fully developed. Yeah, but they still have eyes and they still have a heart and they still have feelings. And it it, it it's there. It, it, it fucking works. Um, and the, the other thing that they noticed was that um, when grandpa is there, he he's really mean to us and he's mean to mommy. So why is it like that? So. Bottom line is my youngest son hasn't seen his grandfather in almost 10 years. Whoa. Um, and that's heavy. 
it is, but we have other other men in the family who are more than willing. He has another grandfather on his mom's side who's more than willing to step up. It's no big loss. If you're going to have that mindset around my kids, if you're going to try and sow that sort of mindset in my kids, if you're going to try and make them feel in any way insecure, it's no great loss. Yeah, it comes down honestly, and I know, I know, I know. When I say it, it sounds bad, but if I have my mom and my dad on one side, and I have my kids on the other side, it's this isn't a Sophie's choice. Yeah, it's not, and it it's no. actually going to be quite alarming to my parents how quickly I choose my children. Like, who do you <laughs> my kids? You didn't even let me finish. You know, let me finish. Let me try Mm-mm. again. Okay, if I get my kids. You, you don't even know what I was going to say that time. Okay, I'm going to try one more time. Which one do you like better, blizzards or my kids? Fuck you, Rashani. <laughs> We're going home. So, um, you know what? I have one question for you. And then we'll get into, because we haven't even gotten into anything yet. Uh, which is how the show <laughs> this is how the show generally goes like we talk and we wherever it goes that's all right um i just want people to um get an opportunity to learn from experiences live experiences and talk about experiences um well, we talk about shit, ill shit and trill shit here well i'm currently just grateful for my iud and distant relatives <laughs> after all that <laughs> Whew. Um, or you better be careful with that IED. Right. My 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 beloved wife had one and uh it she actually had to get surgery. Uh it attached to her uterus, her uterine lining. Um, yeah, this is my second one, kid free since I'm all kid free. <laughs> I I'm, trust me. Nigga, there are yeah. times when I would die to be kid free. Like some of the best days of my life are the ones where I take a day off work because my kids are at school and I don't do nothing. I just sit at home <laughs> and just chill. But yep. Be careful. That's all I'm asking. Be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Janae, question. Your is your mom white or is your dad white? My mother is Mexican. Mexican? Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. Um now I I like I said, my daughter's mom is white. Mm-hmm. How is it? Is it different having a, well, for you, it's all that you know, so it can't really be a, is it different from having a white parent? Because how the fuck would you know? Um, <laughs> gosh. I mean, it's it's odd. Because, for one, people are surprised that my parents are black and Mexican because me- black and Mexican, that's not a, a normal mix. Mm-hmm. Um, that people are used to unless they're in Texas and I've gotten here and it's actually I teach English in a high school that is 98% uh, Hispanic, mostly Mexican Hispanic and then uh, the rest are black and then I think we have one Asian kid and a couple of white kids and I see interracial, some interracial relationships as I you know, observe the kids. But like outside of that, like when I was in North Carolina for eight years, if I would say what I was, people were like, really? I didn't know black and Mexican people got along. And it's really surprising because one of the things that people don't acknowledge a lot with being black is that being black is not just a United States thing. Um, Slaves were distributed up and down the coast of the Americas 
And so there are Black people who speak Spanish in South America, who speak Portuguese, who, you know, we are all Black. It's just that we happen to be the Black people who speak English. And the Spanish traded in slaves as well. And my ancestors come from Spain. And there is a racist sort of current uh, undercurrent with Hispanic people towards black people. And I never really understood that because I always viewed Hispanic people as minorities because to European, to white people, like everybody who ain't white is a minority, but the Spanish are also European. And so they come with their passed down racisms as well because they sold slaves in South America. And so that is a surprising thing to people who understand like the African diaspora and all of the people who traded in African slaves that it's a, it's an odd mix. And so sometimes my mother says racist things and doesn't even realize it. But then at the same time, she also doesn't like Mexican people. And that's why all of her kids are black. So it's just it is is a very odd dynamic. But I have noticed racism coming off of Mexican people towards black people um, black people is, is a popular hate to have, uh, no matter what's, what, what's, what, no matter what language you speak. I mean, I remember seeing the, what is it in Brazil, they have a beauty queen, uh, a samba queen. I forget the proper name for her. And for the very first time, a few years ago, they had a dark skinned woman win the contest, really chocolate, beautiful woman. And she got so much hate from both black and white Brazilians that they took her title from her and replaced her with a light skinned woman. Oh, now, God. yes. And so me being a light skinned woman, there is this awkwardness because I was bullied and, and jumped by dark skinned girls as a little girl. And so I've always been a little afraid of darker skinned girls because of the hatred that I've always gotten. And then I give birth to a chocolate daughter and so there's so much mixed up weirdness because then my my daughter looks at me with her dark skin and her 4C hair and she's like, mom, am I, you're Mexican. So does that mean that I'm Mexican too? And I'm like, yeah, baby, a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. it, all of these ethnicities. And I just, it, it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot. Yeah. But to black people, you know, when I lived with my father and his wife, because I'm the side chick's daughter. OK, I, I just put it like that. Um, when I went to live with my dad and his wife and I wanted to go for a Latina magazine, she said, you are black. You are not Latina. Mm. And so. So no, no, no giving. No. On, you know, you're a little bit of both. It was just no. one way or the other. She told me your daddy is black. You are black. That is it. It, it. It's not for her to decide, though. I just wanted to look at the magazine to decide what Latina women were like. I wasn't spending time with Latina women. I didn't even know what the word meant. I just knew that my mom spoke Spanish, so maybe I could read that magazine. And she saw me reach for it, and that was the talk she gave me. And she's Creole. <laughs> so it just... Uh, People have weird identity issues. It's a big old mess. Like, yes. Like, um, I've realized you're telling me that I'm not white, but I just wanted to read highlights for children. I don't really understand 
<laughs> that triggered like can I read can can a nigga read real quick can I can I read or should I read you which one of these two exactly. things is going to happen because here's a pick you you were probably too young to be able to say this and and still in the mindset of respecting adults but here's the picture of my mama what does she look like so that's half of me right there respected and I never once have told my daughter that she was anything other than black and white she's able to make her own decisions as she gets older and she sees how the world treats her Mm -hmm. but her mom is white there's literally no denying that her mom is is white her her grandmother her 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 whole side of the family they're all fucking cops well they're not cops but they're co's which to me is what is it what co what do you mean correctional officers correctional officer okay yeah they're same boat um, so yeah. it's like, I'm not going to tell you what you aren't. And that's not fair to anyone who's not you to tell you what you aren't to try and shape you into what they want you to be, because you can't make a square, a circle. Well, and the thing, here's the thing. The thing is that kids, kids look at it better than we do. Cause when my daughter first interacted with race, cause my boys look more like my complexion, um, my daughter is darker than all of us. She's darker than her father. She's darker than me. She's darker than her brothers. My father and her, my father and my ex-husband's fathers are both chocolate dark skinned men. So like the color skipped us and landed in our daughter. And so my daughter is looking around like, why do I look different than everybody? And, um, and then one day in school, someone says, you're black. And I don't know what prompted that statement toward her, but some little white kid told her that she was black. And then she was like, no, I'm not. And then she looks at her arm and she's like, I'm brown. And she doesn't understand at this time what he means by you're black. Um, Because we hadn't even had that talk with her. Like we were just living our lives. Like it wasn't, we hadn't talked about ethnicity. And so she said, mommy, someone told me in class that I was black. And I was like, what came with that? <laughs> like, I wanted to know what else was in the conversation. And she was exactly. like, um, he just, he just, he pointed at my arm and he was like, you're black. And I told him that he's wrong because I'm brown. And, and why, why did he call me black mommy? And I said, well, black is like an abbreviation for being African-American. Our ancestors are from Africa. So instead of saying African-American, you know, we say black. And she's like, but I'm not African-American mom. I'm human being. And I said, oh, my God. I said, you're right. <laughs> but I'm telling you how our society works. I'm, just, You know, and, and I hate to I take thought, that from her. Yeah, I never thought I would say this. I'm going to quote <laughs> Halle Berry's mom. I remember this interview that she gave, like, around 2003, talking about, because she was raised by her white mother, um, And her mother sat her down and told her, like, yes, I'm your mom. Yes, I'm white. But when you walk outside, you're going to be viewed as a black woman. Yeah. You're going to be viewed as a black woman. And you have to prepare yourself for what that's going to be like, like right now. Because the world isn't going to give you an opportunity to learn from them. You're going to end up being the lessons to other people. That's the guns talk for me. My kids were at the pool the other day and this little boy decides to be generous and give his water gun to my kids because he was leaving, but they were staying. So he's like, gives it to my daughter. 
here you can have the water gun. And so we're leaving the pool and I'm like, where you get that? Where you get that from? It's like a bright green and orange water gun. And I'm like, where, where did you get that from? But the boy, he gave it to me. And I say, give it here. And I'm carrying it on the way home because I'm trying to think, do I want to let them have the water gun or not? It's only going to happen in the pool, blah, 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 you know. And then at the closer we get, I said, do you guys know why I have a problem with this gun, with this toy? And Gabriel says, I know, mom, I know. And Abigail's like, I don't know, mom. I just wanted to have a water gun. And then I said, Gabriel, why do you think? He was like, because we're black and white people are scared. Whoa. Yeah. And I said, exactly. And I said, children have been killed by grown man police officers because they had toy guns in their hand. And I don't want that to happen to you. And it's not fair and it's not right. But that is how it is. And you should have said no, thank you. And I threw the gun in the trash. And And I don't know what else, how else I could have responded to that. Well, they're, they're really, there's really no good way to explain, or there's really no foolproof way to explain to a kid who doesn't see the issue that there's an issue. You know, so the way they feel it, my son, when he was nine, had a dream that a police officer assaulted him when he was nine. What? He had a dream and he woke up and he was shook. And he said, Mommy, I had a dream that a policeman pointed a gun at me. And that was when I had to talk with him. And I was dating a white man, but he's super open and awake to his privilege. And so it worked. But I sat there and like at the verge of tears, I'm explaining to my child whatever I think it is that he needs to know while in the back of my mind knowing that nothing that I say matters because black people have been killed at every step of interaction with police, every step from from first contact all the way to being in a jail cell. You have no idea when or how your life might end in the custody of police. But I tell my son, be respectful. Don't talk. Don't talk too much. Do what the police officer says. Don't move too fast. Yes, sir. No, sir. Give him whatever he asks for. Keep your hands up. Keep your fingers open. And I'm telling him this because I've seen video of police approaching nine and ten year old boys on the street who are just friggin playing. So that, that that's the, where their mother was nowhere around to protect them. And so I'm telling this to my son because in his spirit, he feels it. And he had a dream. Question. And uh, a, a, a quick question. Yep. When you told him all those things, did you close it off by saying, and sometimes they'll still kill you? Because that's the that's the full story. Like you can do everything right. What I told him was that people are treated unfairly every day Mm -hmm. and that police officers have killed people and gotten away with it. Mm. They have they have the power to do whatever they want. And all you can do is to is what you're supposed to do. 
Like that's that's all you can do is what you're supposed to do. And things can still go bad. You know, but like I don't. And then I have one of my very good friends, a black man. We talk on the phone a lot. He lives in another state. And he tells me, don't bring it up. He says, Jenea, they'll learn. Don't bombard them with these messages. And he's a black man. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So what do I, I mean, I feel like his word is, you know, re- to be respected, I suppose. But if I don't prepare them, you know, uh, I don't like, I don't know. And that's the thing. You can't prepare them. And no, I didn't outright say you could still be shot because then I'm, I, I don't know. It's like this fear I'm giving him in his backpack on the way to school in the morning. So it's it's very scary because, like, as the mother of black children, you have to take their um, innocence away. Yeah. A little at a time, you have to take it away. It's so sad. My uh, youngest son. <laughs> uh I will never forget when he looked at me with those big brown eyes like and asked me why somebody died over cigarettes. Oh my god. And um we had to have that talk and then we had another talk of uh, about Stefan when we were cuz we're here in Sacramento uh where they're protesting and and there's cops outside with these AR15s and he's like dad why what's what's going on and we talked about um we we talked about Sandra we talked we talk and it's not to deaden them to the the potential that this can happen it's to make them aware that it in your lifetime, it will happen. Um, when we were kids, we were told about driving while black. That was a big thing. Our friends got pulled over and it was, yo, I was DWB and we'd all laugh while they were playing dominoes and never really knew what they were talking about. It was just a, almost a rite of passage uh, in our neighborhood yeah. to, for DWB. Oh, yes. So-and-so got, had a nice little 5.0 and got DWB. They got pulled over, but they're okay. And now it's, it's yo, so-and-so was here and was idling their car in front of a 7-Eleven and got hemmed up by the police. How exactly do you explain that to a kid? Shot in the head, in the back of the head, driving away. Shot in the back, running away. How do you explain that to your kids? You know, like shot with your hands straight up in full view of cameras. Like a little child, a boy who looks very much like my oldest son, Tamir Rice. Mm-hmm. His sweet little face. Oh my god. Ugh. And, and so it, it's it's not about innocence lost to me. It's about experience gained. Um, uh-huh. It's it's the same way that at a very young age, we talked with our kids about sex and drugs. And we were like, you're not going to understand all of this right now. We're okay with that. But we need you to know right now. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> you're okay. About your privacy and about your body and, and everything. We need you to know that now because 
as we get older and the veil was lifted from our eyes at a late age, we see that there's evil out there no matter what. Mm-hmm. We have to make you aware of the evil. If we don't make you aware of the evil and the evil's out there, then we're not doing our jobs, not just as as a, as, as uh, parents, but as just humans, as citizens. If right, are- because we do owe that. We do, I mean, I don't think you should feel like obligated but personally i do i feel obligated to to reach out to people to look out for someone else you know like um i saw a car being pulled over the other day and the car had black people in it i just rolled up behind like just in case you know what i'm saying like i feel like i have to get involved in some way just to let them know, I see you, I understand, I feel it, I'm, you're not alone in this, you know? And I think the more we do that, the easier it gets for us to maneuver those situations. I mean, they're mo- most of the time there'd be a situations anyway, but it, I can only imagine it helped knowing that someone was there looking and, you know, creating receipts, if you will, in case something did happen. Yeah. It's just a shame. That's the best way to put it. But I know that, it, you know, it just makes me think of, like, the first time I knew that I was black and a woman. You know, like, you go through your life and you know, yeah, I'm black, yeah, I'm a woman, whatever. And we know about sexism and we know about racism, but, like... The moment when it hit me, like it made me cry. Mm. And I just wonder about those moments, you know, for my kids. Like no one could prepare me for that fully. Like all my dad could ever say to me as a black man was, you guys don't pay attention. You guys don't pay attention. People are saying things to you all the time and you're not hearing them. You know, you don't. We went to visit my dad's old home and in Minden, Louisiana, this just backwoods place, a mile of trees before we got to their little home. And I'm like, Dad, you grow up in the 50s. How did you, you guys walk this? I'm scared to walk this right now. And he's like, we looked out for each other. We had to know what was going on around us, you know. And I didn't even, I was reading this book and I can't remember what it's called, but she introduced the concept of the tilted room where black women are judged crookedly. And we, in, in an attempt to feel like we're standing up straight, we, we tilt ourselves with the crooked room. So we take on these stereotype, stereotypes that are attributed to us, but that don't really define us, but we allow them to because we're trying to make sense of our lives and make sense of who we are. And I just remembered being in the military and I had my first child and he was very sickly in the beginning. And it was very scary for me because my mother was nowhere around and I was the only one taking care of him because my husband was always far away on his job. And so they started to get on me, like as if I was trying to skip my duties on purpose. And I remember this woman who had just given birth to a baby less than three months before hassling me about my absences. And I just wondered, 
how come she couldn't understand that I had a sick child? And I was like, maybe the superiors are making her talk to me. Maybe the insensitive men are making her talk to me. She's a white woman. And she's like, well, my parents fly in from wherever the hell in order to help me. I said, my mom's poor, ma'am. My mom can't fly to Maryland from California. Well, you don't have family closer. I'm like, yeah, but this is my son. Like, he's my responsibility. I'm not going to be calling family members from other states to fly in every nine days so that you guys get your full duty from me. Like, I I couldn't understand. And at the time, I was like maybe 20, 21, 22 years old. And then, like, fast forward to, like, I'm 29 or 30, and I'm reading this book. And it hit me. It wasn't just that I was a woman. It's that I was a black woman. They didn't trust me. Mm-mm. They didn't trust me. They didn't trust that I was being a mother. They thought that I was making excuses. Throughout my entire pregnancy, the military has a 32-week rule. Once you hit 32 weeks, you can't spend more than eight hours on the job. From the time you drive on to the base to the time you drive off, Eight hours only. It's for the safety of the mother and the child. Well, they reversed that on me. Instead of it being for my safety, they made sure I worked at least eight hours. Um, The one day that I got sick and I told my supervisor I was ill, I had thrown up multiple times that day, I wasn't allowed to leave. They told me that pregnancy is... A condition, not an illness, and we will treat it as such. I never got a day off. I got super swollen. Like it was, it was. I know no one ever had helped me carry a goddamn thing. Like it was just, I was being punished because I must have gotten pregnant because I just didn't want to work. So we're going to make sure that you work throughout this entire time that you have done this. And it was. Freaking miserable. That's why I was only in the Navy for five years because I got treated like shit. And I only I, five years. Ooh, that's a I had stretch. To, yeah. I at the end I was like, do I renew my contract or do I be a mother? Because apparently I can't be both. So I was like, I have to. I have to leave this. And and yeah, that's that's what it was. You know, when you realize that sexism sometimes is disguised or racism disguised as sexism it's just like it's all wrapped up in you're black so you're not trustworthy and so that's why it's crazy to me when people act like mixed people are not a part don't nobody care how light my skin is nobody cares how loose my curl is (laughs) like when they see me they see you they see all of us and it's just as frustrating. We'll be right back. This single simulcast. Hey, everybody. This is Gerald Jones from the Buy Black Podcast. And you're listening to Single Simulcast. I've been drinking a whole bottle of wine through this episode. This is the first podcast I've been on where I've been allowed to drink. And I'm loving it. Y'all keep listening. Uh, this is Ray, uh, a.k.a. Black Show Bob, and you're listening to Single Simulcast. 
This is the Black David Hasselhoff on the Midnight Storm, and you are now tuned in to Single Simulcast. You're listening to Single Simulcast with Rashani and my mom, Shante Fabulous. I'm a project my own decisions. <laughs> you're right. You're a product of your own decisions. This is single simulcast. I don't know what you do with your life when you're not listening to the podcast, but what you need to do, listen to single simulcast. What you listen to right now and play it again and again. That was, that simply, was simply sensational. sensational. Single, single simulcast will surely surface speedily. Bitches. <laughs> Hi, this is your man Jeremy from the Crown of Collars podcast, and you are listening to Single Simulcast with my man Rashani and Shante Fabulous, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. And I'm your favorite podcaster, so that should be your favorite podcaster, because I'm your fave, fave, and your fave's fave. Check them out on Single Simulcast, and check out Crown of Collars, found wherever you can find great podcasts and the CSPN Network. Single Simulcast wants your reviews. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or wherever you listen to us. Tag Single Simulcast with the screenshot of your review on Facebook, or use the hashtag SSCast on Twitter. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, hey, hey. I know you're probably wondering who I am. Well, my name is Joy, and I'm the host of Fresh Out the Cocoon, a podcast that gets real about being black and being fabulous all at the same damn time. Trust, you don't want to miss the things that are discussed on this show. So join me every other Sunday as I release new episodes. I'm currently on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and TuneIn Radio. told you, son. I love Anita Baker, but you are correct, sir. From beginning to end, 365 days of the year, I want the You know what? I'm going to rock for this one. <laughs> All I want to do is take a nap with you. That's yeah. And I'll be <laughs> See? Sounds just like I never noticed it till just now. <laughs> I mean, at least she sounded like she was really going to sleep, other than putting you to fucking sleep like Nora Jones. Son, if you can't sleep, two two albums. That Nora Jones Nora Jones first album put you right Oh my god. Out. That's my and, um, and it's um, so I'm gonna tell you the best album to go to sleep on um, is uh, Boys to Men Evolution, dog. 
And yo, for real, if I can't sleep, if I have like straight insomnia and I and there is no way I think I'm going to sleep right now, put on that album, I am gone. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that album. I am out of here, dog. Oh, but I, I can't, I can't talk too much shit about Anita Baker. My mom, when she was alive, she loved Anita Baker. Yeah, Anita's, Anita's the shit. Yeah, like I'm saying, Disney, but I, I still listen to that song. Oh yeah, I'll listen to it all the day long. But it also Yo, helps can... that she's the only woman from that era who's still relatively attractive. True. Come on, son. Patty the Bell, dog. She got ass, son. That's because she <laughs> eating all that mama's fried chicken. <laughs> All she eat is soul food. She gonna be a diabetes victim. I need to. I need to. I need to find that that shit. Anybody? Am I the only person on earth that remembers that award show where Patti LaBelle was singing and they gave her the Lifetime Achievement Award or some shit like that? And she was singing a song, and she just took the mic away and sing some out loud to the fucking crowd. And it was. I don't remember that at all. It was the most amazing shit I've ever seen in my life, and I have never seen that shit again. Nope. She was probably yawning one day in the studio, so I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, just like that. Just just keep doing that. That's perfect. Oh, that was great. How'd you hit that note? I'm not sure. No, that wasn't it. Maybe if I hold my nose. No, that's not it either. Will you tell him to stop yawning when he yawns? I know. It. Eureka! I just found it. Eureka! That's it! Are you interested in supporting this black podcast? Awesome! Become a Patreon member at www.patreon.com slash single simulcast. And for $5, you'll be able to chat with the hosts during our monthly Q and Awesome session. You can also support the show via our Teespring store at teespring.com slash stores slash single dash simulcast and get a shirt or a mug. You also have the option to put a little something in our cup at paypal.me slash single simulcast. Who Raised You podcast is a kitchen table conversation between Karen, Jolly and Yang, and Treasure Shields Redmond. <laughs> As we explore how culture, family, and intersecting identities pave our way toward liberation, we want to know who raised you. We're curious and sometimes a bit irritated. Sit down. We have lots to talk about. Single Simulcast episode 295. Uh, again, Shantae's not able to be here, but I am here with... Uh... Deidre, and I am also here with Janaea. And Deidre, uh, tell everybody a little bit about your show. Tell them something about yourself. The floor is yours. All right. Ooh, the floor. I like it. Um, well, my name is Deidre James. I host the Details Podcast, and it's spelled interesting. It's my name, Deidre, D-E-E-T-A-L-E-S. And the show is all about being able to tell stories from a unique perspective, um, now that podcasting is a bigger thing, there's so many voices, but at the time when I started, there weren't a lot of, um, 
black women podcasters. So I kind of created it for us to tell our stories. Uh, we love to talk about current events. I am a jokester at heart, so I try my best to keep my audience entertained with laughs. But we also um, are socially conscious and pay attention to what's going on in the world um, and hopefully try to affect change through conversation and action. And action can be made even if you're not physically in the location. So uh, we look for ways to do things that... um, can benefit multiple communities from all across the world, even though I'm in North Carolina. So that's details. And I'm the biggest Beyonce fan. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Have you ever thought about on your show, when you say the title of the show, you follow it up by saying, woohoo. <laughs> like DuckTales. Yeah. Uh... I think I did like a long time ago and like the young bucks didn't understand what I was talking about. Fuck I was them. like, oh, fuck them young. I know <laughs> them youngins breath smell like Similac. They don't know what's going on. Right. They don't need to know. They'll, they'll learn. Like I have a, a, a podcast called uh, storytellers. Um, mm-hmm. and the quick plug, uh, the, <laughs> Twitter handle for storytellers is story tailspin OEO. So I ended off by saying OEO because it's spelled just like tailspin was the cartoon of mm-hmm. the 90s. Um, but yeah, nah, you, you, it's too close to the edge. You got to push it over and give it that good woohoo. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. I appreciate that. Because, you know, anything for you. Especially living where you're at, life is like a hurricane in North Carolina. God, we just had a tornado. We are like, we have the worst pollen. So there's a meat tick. Wait, what? That is, yeah, a meat tick. There is a tick in North Carolina that is, if you're bitten by it, it puts this uh, protein in your blood. It's, it's called like alpha-gal. And the alpha-gal protein makes your body intolerant to red meat and some oh, pork. Nigga, no. <laughs> no, no, that's, it, is it curable? No, it's not. Kill me. I know. And so our um, executive of agriculture for the state he was bitten by the meat tick. Like, this is not like some, oh, you know, you know, I heard it through the grapevine type situation. No, our agricultural commissioner was bitten by the tick. He's suffering through it. He cannot digest red meat or pork. And it's happening more and more. Um, the tick, it is, uh, I don't know the name of it, but it has a yellow dot on it. And if that mug bites you and gets into you, they're the meat tick. I swear to God, if y'all let that motherfucker out in North Carolina, I swear to God, if it comes to California, <laughs> I'll be so. How the fuck? All y'all got out there is barbecue. How y'all? I know. Y'all need to work harder. Kill that motherfucker now. I am. Look, the nuclear option is okay with me. Drop the bomb. I'm cool with that. I'm I'm ready to move anyway. If I can't no. get a ribeye, y'all gonna hear me. <laughs> listen, listen. 
So apparently a woman from D.C. has it. So we're thinking she's patient zero. And she got it down here somehow. Look, 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 look. So y'all got this mutant tick that's just walking around stopping y'all shine because ain't no such thing as chicken ribs. I don't know if y'all know this or not. Like, like it, it's they're tiny and it doesn't work right. And it's just stealing your joy. This tick is... This tick is a menace, and y'all need to just go ahead and do whatever you need to do to make sure that y'all eradicate uh-huh. this tick before it makes it out of North Carolina, because I will fucking burn North Carolina to the ground <laughs> to protect my rights to eat red meat. I don't give a fuck. Hey, I, I don't I'm a- with you. I am with you. <laughs> and, but I, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there. Out of all the meat tick cases, I ain't seen one person of color... Yes. Bitten by the meat tick. Yes. Stay woke. Attack <laughs> there you go. People. It, look, you can't even call it the meat tick anymore. Just call it the seasoning bug. If y'all, <laughs> if y'all don't use seasoning right, they just gonna take you out the take you out the game. Like, nah, we gonna have this for the this is for the this for the this for the black folks. This for the culture. We'll call it the culture. Yeah. Um, which is good. I mean, it is good that there's a culture tick that is attacking white people in North Carolina. <laughs> y'all white people have been biting off our culture for years, so right? what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just saying that no, I accidentally ass. land in North Carolina, and I, 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 I just have to die. They'd be like, that nigga died with a rib in his mouth, with a smile on his face, and a middle <laughs> finger up. Because it is never, it is not hit a person of color. All the cases have been traits to Caucasians. And so, like yesterday, I had a, a minor procedure and I was in the hospital, and one of my friends came up to visit me. And she's a white woman oh. and she lives like out in the woods. Like she's like a country girl. And her son called her and he was like, Mom, the meat tick got me. And I'm <laughs> like, Am I still under anesthesia? Like, am I. Are the drugs still in my system? Because he FaceTimer. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? She's like, the meat tick. I'm like, what the fuck is the meat tick? <laughs> and then we started doing Googles. And her son is on the phone sobbing. It's like, it got me, mommy. It got me. I don't, I'm not going to be able to eat red meat anymore. <laughs> and she's like, well, let, you know, she's like, I'm here. I can't do anything about it. I doubt it. I doubt that you were bitten by the tick. You probably just had a spider on you. So that was my introduction to it. I, I mean, I've been here my whole black ass life, okay? I ain't never heard of no meat tick. Oh, this and is all my... of a sudden, <laughs> yep, it's this is my white first boat. time right now. Exactly. <laughs> this sounds like this. Finally, I've been waiting so many years to say this. This sounds like something that was created in a laboratory to kill white people. <laughs> you know, like how they said that AIDS was. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, black folks, like, why the fuck you think black folks are gonna be the ones to get? You know what? Fuck that. I'm staying away from. Them. But I am quite all right with the tick going and taking out the people who are stopping these restaurants from seasoning all of their food because some people don't like seasoning. Mm-hmm. I, I've had this question for a couple of days now because I um made a uh, for Mother's Day. I made two things. I made a crab and brie stuffed uh, salmon. And mm. then I made a tilapia over brown rice with a crab and shrimp white wine cream sauce. Um, Look at you. Yeah. It's I don't even that- know what he just said. 
You're like, what? You better <laughs> if them if them ticks get you, it's gonna be the only thing you're gonna be able to eat is fish. Um but I'm I'm reading reviews online and all of these white folks are saying, I tried your I tried your recipe, which I the recipe that I got for the tilapia turned out excellently. These white folks are on there like, I tried your recipe and I didn't feel like there was enough salt in it. Who the fuck? Look, who reads the recipe when it comes to the salt? People are really saying, I'm going to put half a, a teaspoon of salt into this. A burger. pinch. Hey, I'm a gonna pinch of salt. Because that's what it says in the recipe. Who the fuck listens to that part? I will read every other part line for line. I emotionally salt. Okay. When I feel yeah. like it's enough. Then that's when mm-hmm. I stop. <laughs> I'll tell you when I've had enough. God damn it! So, exactly. I'm looking at these people like, wait, y'all really listen to the recipe when it said only put in a pinch of salt and and you know you can tell when enough white people have left a bad review about a recipe because it'll say and I am saying a direct quote for the recipe when it says salt and pepper it'll say season to taste. Oh Lord. Because they don't know that you can season the taste. There, I'm gonna stick to the rules on this one. I'm just gonna yeah. go by the book, and oh my god, this doesn't taste like anything. It tastes just like the way Mom makes it. Um, but details, woohoo! <laughs> um, I have questions. Okay, is it about the meat tick? <laughs> no, I am. I'm tra- I got. I have my. I got my Google up. I'm ready. This is <laughs> heading ahead. north too. This is on June 26, 2017. It was heading north from... Uh, yeah. Yeah, nah, fuck y'all. <laughs> it's not new. Exactly. Like, it's not a new thing. It's just new to me because I don't fuck around in the country with ticks and say, stuff. Don't, don't, ticks, don't ticks be in the woods? I heard rumors. I don't go in the woods. I don't go in... I don't yeah, go the last time I met... The last time I had any inkling of thinking about a tick was when I was in the military doing training with the Marines and and they would warn us about ticks when we would go out on field ops and because they get you ticks or chiggers chiggers are worse yeah the ticks are just ugly looking as they're sticking out of somebody's skin I never got one so I was glad but I've seen one girl had a what is it she had like a belt of them like I guess they they got her all around her waistband and yeah. someone's got to help you get them out because if you mess up and leave their head in there, they can infect you. So you got to pull them out just right so that you get the whole tick when you pull in them out of somebody. So it, it's just the most disgusting thing. It's so gross. The concept of like a foreign living thing digging itself inside me. Oh, let's not keep talking about kids that's now. Let's, too much. Let's, that's too much. We, we, yeah. we ain't gonna keep talking bad about kids like that. We talking about <laughs> right now. <See. laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I am just blatantly aware of the fact that if I got bit by a tick or a chigger mm-hmm. or a flea or anything like that. I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be, and I understand the risk of exactly. me going outside is I can be killed at any given moment, and I'm just going to add that to the list of things that I don't want to see in my face. Cops are going to go me um, <laughs> The list ain't going to get that much longer. Uh, Caillou. Caillou. Um, I don't want to see any baby to look like Caillou in my face, because I have PTSD. <laughs> I, 
that little white boy was an evil and he can get it. So meat ticks, Caillou, cops, <laughs> white people with cell phones. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Um, ooh, 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 ooh. Them people who come up to you from uh, like Kirby vacuum and just want to want you to let them in your house so they can shampoo your carpet real quick and tell you about the Lord. <laughs> Uh, those are the oh, top five no. people that I run into when I go outside. So I don't go outside anymore. Fuck them. Fuck that. Fuck no. Yes. I have a friend. Size who, better, safer. He, my friend I mentioned earlier, he said to me one time, he let the Kirby guy come in, clean and, and come in and clean a little patch. And then he, the, you know, for sales, like they let you borrow the thing. Mm-hmm. So he said, I borrowed that thing and I cleaned everything in my house. And then when he came back, I said, I don't need it. <laughs> See, now, that's Damn. a new style to let you borrow it. Because I used to work for Kirby. And our uh. style wasn't to let them borrow shit. Our style was mm. to go into the room. We would vacuum their front room or wherever, you know, wherever there was carpet. At the first place we see carpet, we're, car- we're vacuuming that room. And yeah. then after you vacuum that room, you lead them into their bedroom, which is in no way creepy. You know, uh, absolutely <laughs> saying, let me show you something in your bedroom. <laughs> hey, hey, let me show you this real quick. Where's your bedroom at? Nah, get the fuck out. <laughs> you say um, like that? Yeah, that's creepy. So we will walk them. We will lead them to their bedroom, um, and then we would once we got to the bedroom, we would, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, while talking to while making while making idle conversation, you know about sports or whatever. Should I start from the beginning? I'll start from the be- no. I won't. I'll just long story short. <laughs> um, I didn't come back after this. Long story short, but what you're supposed to do is you peel back the blankets on their bed while you look at them, and you peel back the the top cover sheet, and then you peel back the second sheet while they're looking at you like that's the fitted sheet, nigga. You pulling back a little bit too much on what you do on my bed anyway, <laughs> and then you lay down eight of these coffee filters on their bed, and then you open up the 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 receptacle for the vacuum cleaner and you take out the uh, actual bag the 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 vacuum bag and you proceed to pour all the trash that you just vacuumed off of their floor onto these coffee filters on their bed what and you tell them about how you just vacuumed up a bunch of dead bed bugs and now they're on their bed and they could be sleeping on dead skin and bed bugs every night unless they use this. So you're going to take dirt from one place and put it in another place as a tactic? For it. Yes. And say that unless you get the Kirby vacuum and vacuum your bed with this 50,000 pound vacuum cleaner, they're going to have this in their bed all the time. And then you leave and you just leave this sitting on their bed. That was their style back in 2000. Uh-uh. That is doing the most. That I would be, I would probably be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like when the Kirby guy came to my place, he came in, he made one square of my living room super clean just so that I could see how dirty it looked everywhere else and then left. (laughs) And I was like, well, damn. (laughs) Fucked up too. I mean, they look, first of all, Kirby has you walking in a neighborhood that is probably already, already got a vacuum cleaners. So you already got a hard sell because you're trying to sell somebody something that they don't need and they don't want. And you're selling it to them at a price. Them motherfuckers cost $1,500. So, you know, it's not a it's not an easy sell. You got to do some sort of a guerrilla tactic type shit. Like, I'm a Dyson lady. I'll, I'll get a Dyson. I got a shark. 
Shark costs three hundred bucks, and it's wonderful. That's that's all I need. Somebody came by my house a couple weeks ago. Was like, "Hey, can I come in your house?" I was like, "You gonna ask me to shampoo my carpet, ain't you?" I got hardwood floors. Here's a bottle of ice water. No, no <laughs> you can't come in. You can't come in. No. Okay. Well, um, if I don't come in, then I'm not gonna get my account. I'm sorry for your job. You can't. Come you know in. what? Honestly, men. I, normally, I say personality is not gender specific, but I have never seen any woman do that as well as a man like my friend that I talked to on the phone my ex-husband like my ex-husband we'd be walking in the mall and you know how the people in the middle kiosk will like dip out in front of you and be like hey you know get by this he was so aggressive he would listen intently respectfully to their whole spiel for like five minutes, 10 minutes, and then say, no, thank you. And keep walking. I'm like, why you waste their time? Why did you do that? You knew you wasn't going to buy anything. He was like, well, I I wanted to learn. Maybe I would have wanted to buy. I'm like, you knew you wasn't buying nothing. I'm nervous around salespeople. I can't, I I don't, I'm, I make sure I look the other way. They could tell don't, don't come talk to me. Mm -mm. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to them motherfuckers. I was a salesperson. I will listen to your whole spiel, everything, whether we're at a restaurant, we're at the kids standing outside the Walmart, newspaper salesmen, uh, the people in the mall who want to braid, who want to thread your eyebrows, um, <laughs> the person who's trying to sell that cool flying drone in the middle of the mall, who's not in a oh, looking, yeah. looking straight up, all of them motherfuckers, I will sit there and listen to them and my wife knows, okay. Hey, you're not buying nothing. I ain't buying shit. Intently to every single word you say, and then tell you, "Here's what you could have done better." It is the closest thing I get to being a white man, where I'm able to tell you, (laughs) "Let me tell you how to fix your pitch. Let me pump you up." And so I'll be like, "Yo, you didn't even try and upsell me. You didn't tell me about this. You didn't tell me about this. What you should have done is mention this. Folks out here are sports fans. You should have mentioned the sports. Folks out here uh, tend to be blood, so you should have had a red drone out here instead of that blue <laughs> shit. Um, look, you didn't even try and tell me about the Lord. Like you out here telling me you muttering about the Bible. You a Jehovah's Witness. You should have said something about the Lord. Oh, well, let me try again. No, I'm good. Click." <laughs> I will talk to a telemarketer until they want to get off the phone. Like, is that how you ask everybody? Is that the approach you get to everybody? You could do much better than that. Try again, but not here. Click. Mm -mm. I just go to do not disturb. I don't have any time or. I block them. Yeah. Breath for them. I'll let them in. No, thank you. I'll let them Mm -hmm. in. They don't come back. I'll let you in once. Um, Speaking of trying to sell me something. I'm just kidding. Horrible segue. Feel bad, but not really. You got a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I do. Tell me about it. I'm not going to judge you. I swear to God, I only do that for telemarketers and when I'm really bored. Um, so, uh, tell me about the Boss Co-Parenting Framework. Um, it is something that I wrote a while ago, and it just took me a long time to be confident enough to like publish it. Um, so I got divorced in 2009. Mm-hmm. And we started out like the typical ratchet relationship. Like we didn't like each other. We were not accommodating toward each other. And slowly over time, I made certain changes because I knew that 
I wanted to have a civilized relationship with him because I felt like the only way that our kids could be happy is if we had a good relationship and being born into like the weirdness that I was born into. I know exactly how hurtful it is when your parents don't get along. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom would call my dad's house and just talk to my stepmother. Like she was crazy. My stepmother would talk about my mother. Like she was crazy. Like, I couldn't even tell my mother things because then she would call that house being crazy and then that would fall back on me. So I didn't want my kids to go through that. So these are just kind of things that I learned and I was able to put everything I learned into like this, uh, this acronym for co-parent. And it's a very short, it's almost like just a pamphlet, you know, it's not like a really long book. It's like 50 pages. And um, I don't know how deep you want me to get into it. Like deep, deeper than Atlantis. Okay, so co-parent, you have C-O-P-A-R-E-N-T. Mm-hmm. And so the, the C stands for compartmentalize. And that's the first um, actual chapter. And compartmentalize just means that after you get out of a romantic relationship with someone, you have to switch gears. You can no longer communicate with them like the angry ex-lover. It has to be parent relationship. Like... You have to put your your passion over here and then you have to your bit parent business that your parent helmet has to be on, basically. So you have to separate the relationships and get your mind right. So compartmentalize means you can't be throwing old relationship stuff into your co-parent's face when you're trying to talk about the kid's business like it needs to be professional. So that's like the compartmentalize and then optimism be optimistic. Um, don't always expect the worst. Sometimes when we don't get what we want from the other parent, we tend to go to the negative. So like if I call him and say, you know, can you pick the kids up because I'm going to be late? And he says, no, I can't. I automatically assume he's doing it because he wants to be because he wants to make my life hard or something. And so mm-hmm. to just like be optimistic, think, oh, well, he must have something to do already. You know, like try to be positive all the time so that you don't fall into like a negative spiral with that person. And then um, protect. You have to protect relationships. So you have to protect your relationship with your co-parent as co-parents to the child or children. You have to protect your child's relationship with that parent, and you have to protect your relationship with your child. And then I go into what you're protecting these relationships from. So like... You're protecting your child's relationship with the other parent from negativity that might occur when they are with you. So you're not going to talk badly about the other parent in front of your kid. You're not going to allow your family to talk badly about their other parent. You know, um, you're going to allow them to be happy and express love for the other parent when the other parent is not there. You know, you have to protect the integrity of that relationship. And then you're protecting the integrity of your relationship with the other co-parent by respecting them. And um, and then the same goes for your relationship with a kid. And mainly one of the things that I go into with that is let's say your kid comes home and says this happened. Okay, so prime example, my son comes home and says Miss Day, which was one of my ex-husband's women, she she made me go to bed without eating dinner. Okay, trigger. You do not take right. food out of my kid's mouth. 
So I'm sitting here like, oh, no, she did not do that. But I know my kids told me half the story. Okay. So I have Mm -hmm. to take a deep breath. Yeah. (sighs) And I call him and I say, "Um, you know, Gabriel said something weird. And I just wanted to run it by you to see, you know, if you know anything about it. Because, you know, I know they always tell half the story. So I just want to know. I want to be sure that this is not really the whole story. You know, I have to lay the positive framework so that he doesn't get defensive immediately when I begin to speak. And he's like, "Okay, go ahead. What you got? Okay, he says that he was made to go to bed without dinner. All right. And he's like, oh, that doesn't sound normal. I'll check on it. So I say, "Okay." I don't force him to check on it right away. I don't tell him, no, you're not hanging up on me now. I say, "Okay," And then I give him the time to check on it. Against every instinct I have, obviously, I have to talk myself through these things. And then he gets back to me. Oh, well, what happened was he got in trouble and he was sent to his room and it was just before dinner and he fell asleep for the night. He wasn't made to miss dinner, but he missed it because he fell asleep while he was in his room in trouble. So if he had woken up, he would have been more than welcome to eat his dinner. Okay, so. Okay, so I just and then I say again, I, you know, Romeo, I just want to make sure that that woman's not doing this on a regular basis. He's like, no, I will make sure that that is not happening. Thank you. Click. Okay. Um, So that's like protecting relationships. You have to have a good relationship with the other parent and then appreciate appreciate the fact that you're not like a legit single parent, like no other parent, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have the other parent in the picture the kid needs two parents and so to be appreciative like sometimes I would feel like god I hate him I wish he would just disappear it's like no you need to appreciate the fact that that person is there and that you have someone to work with and you have someone who would be just as angry as you would be if someone mistreated that child like that's a privilege and then evaluate so you evaluate your motives why am I making this decision Why am I telling him, no, he can't come a little bit later? Why am I telling him whatever I'm telling him? Like, evaluate your motives. Make sure you're not acting in anger, bitterness, or frustration. Evaluate what the other person says to you. Like, think before you speak. Think before you ask. Think before you call. I knew that in the mornings, he was really pissy. Like, he was not in a good mood in the mornings. But the mornings were kind of the best time for me. But I, okay, fine. It's the best time for me, but it's not the best time for him. So when should I call? Like always have like a mind of evaluating the situation to make sure that you are doing it in the best light. And then next, the nosiness. Oftentimes after you separate from someone and you think that you still have the right to tell them what they should and should not be doing when you're not around, you don't have that right. Like it's none of your business what they're doing even when the kid is there, like, honestly, as long as you don't have a fear that your child is in any danger, Mm -hmm. as long as you don't fear that your child isn't being fed, as long as you don't fear that your child is being, um, their character isn't being attacked in any way, you know, verbal abuse, as long as you are confident that that parent has the best interest in mind, it's none of your business that, 
you know, grandma babysits them all day because he works long hours. It's none of your business that maybe even the girlfriend babysits. Like it only becomes your business. Let's say when my son comes home with a bruise on his thigh and he tells me that the girlfriend gave him a spanking, then it becomes my business. You know, you're right. So I can't be telling him, well, why should you have them? Your mom is the one who's spending all the time with them. I'm sorry. That's none of your business. And as women, we do take so much ownership over our kids that we feel like we have that prerogative and we actually don't. Um, And you have to allow the other parent to become who they will become now that you guys are no longer living together. And then teamwork. Like the quality of life of a child increases so much when their parents are working together. Like if, if, if I want to do a summer camp or if I want to buy my kids something or like the kids want to, what is it? My son wanted a hoverboard, call his dad. This thing costs over $200. Like, can you, can you float me a hundred bucks so that I can comfortably get this toy for our (laughs) son? You know, like, Working as a team or he's the disciplinarian. I live in Texas. He lives in North Carolina. These kids are afraid of him from from Texas. Yes, I don't know how he doesn't. But when I am pissed at them and I feel like I am beyond my rope, I call their father and they get scared. I said, oh, this is how it's going to be. I'm calling your dad. Mm. All of a sudden, they grab a vacuum or they start folding some shit like they are afraid. I use that to my advantage. Today, with the incident with the thrown cell phone, I texted him. I texted him and I said, your daughter threw a phone at her brother's freaking head. He's got a knot the size of Texas now. And she, I, what did I tell him? I said, she, I took her phone indefinitely. He's going to, she's going to serve him and whatever else I can think of. (laughs) He goes, Janae, serving him is probably, he goes, he goes, uh, serving him is probably a bit much, but give her double duty, tell her now she's got to do his chores as well. And I said, okay, fine, I'll do that. You know, so he, he has a more stable mind when it comes to the disciplinarian stuff. And he knows that I am the emotional affection giver. So both of those things are so important. And so I leverage what he has and he leverages what I have. And that's the teamwork thing. And so That is kind of what my book is saying or my pamphlet or my handbook or whatever you want to call it. Like I'm explaining all of those things Um, because I think that if you can keep those things in mind, then maybe you can have a friend. Because now like he texted me on my birthday and was like, you're getting old woman. Like, how old are you? Like, (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, to be on a positive positive terms with a person who you felt like you hated before. Like it's very rewarding, especially because the kids, they feel, they feel good. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. I feel that. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm scared to ever call anybody an old woman. I just, <laughs> <laughs> Hey grandma, you still look, and I'm scared to say that they look too young. I'm I keep it balanced. Grandma, you look perfect. That can yeah. be an insult too. I've had women say that shady mess to me. What? You too young to have three kids. Exactly. How old are you? Excuse me. <laughs> Yo, I just say you so look guys, like a million bucks. Safe as I heard. 
I heard that when you call someone's child precious, that's code for the kid being ugly. Damn. I wish I knew. Never heard that. that. In Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know if it's was... a southern thing, it, but they say, like, oh, that baby is just so precious. Because that. most times it's, oh, it's pretty. Look at those cheeks. Look at that. But if you can't find anything, you just say the baby is precious. I saw a little nigga that was so precious. <laughs> in Vegas that he made me lose my video game. I couldn't stop staring at that precious little nigga. I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, how can somebody be so precious? Oh my goodness. Look. The only thing I've heard with re- response to that is usually two good-looking parents usually have an ugly baby or two ugly parents usually have a good-looking baby. I don't know how true that is, but I don't use precious that way. Like to me, precious is a is a special word that I only pull out when the baby has just got me completely hypnotized with cuteness. Mm, I will so like, <laughs> no, no, I'm used to hearing that. I mean, since I was like young, I knew that if somebody says that you were precious, you were in trouble or you were not favored for, for, for something. So you um, know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> that, right. There's, Oh, you are just precious. Look at you. <laughs> well that's the same thing when a woman calls you sweetie sweetie look like <laughs> did you just call me sweetie yep. you did not just call me sweetie like you're not old enough to call me that so what do you really have to say right now <laughs> uh, we gonna break it down real quick sweetie just have a seat real quick aren't you <laughs> nigga <laughs> <laughs> sweetie you are so precious oh. <laughs> I can't wait to start calling people precious Cause yes, oh, I'm about to. It won't no way hit him. Just the most. Do you life. ever get, um, do you ever get like uh, not having kids? You know, um, like shade from people for like deciding not um, to have children. Uh, some people, but I really don't. I don't pay them any mind, so I can't even like recall a moment. I just know that I had a situation recently where my patience was really tested. It was the flip side. It was my friend who has kids and we were trying to do something, but she kept getting calls and being interrupted by her kids or her husband. And I I wanted to say, this is why I don't, you know, do this. That would have been me being shady, but Mm -hmm. that's not my place. You know, everyone has their path, their journey, their wants and desires. But for me, it just was not having to wipe booties and pick boogers. And also, <laughs> all, and there's lots of wonderful, beautiful things that go in the middle of all of that, too. Trust me, I totally get it. But if anyone comes for me about not wanting to have kids, then I tell them, well, then, um, since you want me to have a kid, you can set up the GoFundMe. So I pay for that little mug banger because um, all my money goes to me right now. Well, and honestly, like, I think that that is one of the things that I kind of envy about women who didn't have kids. Like, I can honestly say that as a 21-year-old woman, the choice to have a kid was out of insecurity. Like, I hated my family, and I was like, I'm going to do better at family. Like, I'm going to have a kid. And, you know, and so 
But then I have a younger sister. She was like, I have I already have kids. All of all of my nieces and nephews are my kids. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And then even my daughter, every once in a while, at mm-hmm. like the age of 10, mommy, what if like I don't want to have kids? And I'm like, then you don't have to. You you know, you don't. Every woman doesn't have to. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's I just I notice like sometimes people throw shade like kids are beautiful like i there's no world where i wouldn't have had my kids i'm like you're lying i could think of a lot of them i could think yeah (laughs) sometimes i just close my eyes and think about what i would do if i wasn't giving my entire salary away to kids honestly i can't say that every once in a while i don't want to pick up the phone and say you can have all three of them (laughs) and I, i will just i'll do the visitation thing like I just you can have them. I mean, it's so. the the thing that people don't put in the perspective, or the thing that I didn't think about when I was like, should I have a kid at the age of twenty one? Shit, if I could go back in time, like Bill and Ted, sixty nine, dude. If I could go back in time, <laughs> it would be different because the thing about kids, all hate mail could be sent to single simulcast at gmail dot com. Uh, <laughs> if you agree with what i say though please feel free to hit up the patreon and leave us a little something something because niggas is struggling because of kids um pay us some child support the, right that's what i should call the patreon child support the thing about kids is <laughs> it's never just one kids are like roaches kids bring oh, kids God. Kids bring kids. Like, once you have kids, the kids make friends, and those friends bring friends, and kids bring kids. Why do these little boys knock on my door so loud on Saturday? Bam, 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 bam. Why do I feel like the police are at my door? Mm-hmm. Oh, they just want us to come outside. Tell them to stop knocking on my damn door. Like, oh, my God, you are so right. And uh. the thing about kids and roaches, like, there's connections here. There's <laughs> never just one kid. There's never just one roach. If you see just one kid or one roach, know that there's something going on in a different place that you can't do anything about it this time. Yes. Um, they're going to get into everything, and whatever they touch is ruined. You can't have it anymore. It's theirs. Like, if you see a yes. roach sitting on top of the paper of a cheeseburger, the cheeseburger is dead to you. You don't want it anymore. That's a given. If you're yes. here to see the same cheeseburger, and they put their hand on top of the paper, guess what? The next step is either they're going to ask if they can have it and you'll feel horrible for saying no or if they're talking with the sibling they will simply open their nasty ass unbrushed unvarnished mouths and cough on the <laughs> fucking food and look at them like this is mine now that's how men feel about women with kids I wait <laughs> <laughs> I shut you up. Oh my god! Oh my back, my neck, my neck and my back. <laughs> oh, they itch. Oh, my spider sense—they're tingling. <laughs> my kids are pretty much amazing at this point in time because they're my kids, and so they grew up quite like I wanted them to. Like I give them the freedom to be, and we also have tons of laughter and love in the household. But their friends suck. Other people's kids generally suck. Unless your kid is on my basketball team where, again, I'm like a surrogate father to them because I don't take no shit. They suck. My kids are like 
in the place now where they're like, okay, if this is what's going on, we got to figure out a way to fix it. We got to do what's right in this world. We got to take steps to help out. We got to do this, that, and the third. Your kids are like, if there's something going on in the world and I'm not a part of it, I'm going to fall the fuck out. And if my, if my friends jump off a bridge, fuck yeah, I'm jumping too. And you better be there to catch me. Otherwise, it's your fault for letting me land in the awkward position in the first place. So... I'm just saying all that to say my kids, yeah, now that they're safe, I like them. But now uh, that they're safe, you like them. Yeah, now that they're out, um you know, now that they're here, I'm good with them. But if I had known at 21 what I knew now, I wouldn't have had kids till I was maybe like 38, 39, 40, 56, 70 uh when I'm about to die and then y'all could just make it on your own at the age of like 14, 15, 16 with the trust fund that I built up for you for not having to pay for kids since the age of 21. Nigga, I could have been rich right now. So much. I told my daughter the other day, you cost a boat. Right? (laughs) You cost a boat. (laughs) Like, like, let me be specific in what you have cost me in my life and I'm not going to point at my body or anything like that, nigga. You see that car right there? That's my car. I'm not playing this game with you. That is literally supposed to be my car, that Porsche right there. But I got to push this nasty-ass minivan because there are so many of y'all. There are so many of you. And you can't get in my van without leaving a part of you behind. It's like it's like they can't get in the car without leaving a juice box or a backpack or clothing or or one of them left fucking deodorant in my car and I didn't see it till I got to work the next day and I spent the whole day at work wondering what the fuck deodorant that they put on. <laughs> I leave for work before they get up for school. Whose deodorant did you put on? I found out when I got back home though cuz my deodorant was no longer in my room. And then when I went downstairs to get my deodorant back, I got in trouble. That's my deodorant. Why are you wearing my socks? Why are you wearing my deodorant? Why are you 10 and trying to wear my underwear (laughs) why no you can't have this just i know i know we say do as i do i know i told you to do as i do not as i say is a horrible thing to do but no nigga just because i'm eating a steak doesn't mean you get a piece eat your you wanted mac and cheese you asked for mac and cheese i don't that's annoying i hate when we go to the restaurant and they order mac and cheese. I could have bought that for 42 cents and you could have ate that at home. Right. I bring your behind to the restaurant and I got to pay five to ten dollars for what I can clearly tell is craft from the box <laughs> because you want mac and cheese wherever you go. Like, ugh. <sighs> so, yeah, yeah uh, I'll just say all that to say you, I. Right. <laughs> you good yeah girl just stay on the path hey, I, anybody who says that kids will enrich your life no the fuck you're a teacher you know you you, you got you the super on you know these kids ain't shit <laughs> kids are the meanest people like they have no filters they will tell you straight out my son asked me a few years ago when he was five he asked me if I was pregnant and I thought <laughs> for a really long time 
if he was worth it. I thought about it for a long time. <laughs> I just looked at him quietly like it's on my show. You can hear it. The part where he asked me if I was pregnant. It's it's on an episode. We had this thing called uh, Devin's uh, Corner, I think it's called. Um, and my youngest son would get on there at the age of three, four, and five, and he'd talk. And whatever he wanted to talk about, we would talk about. And that little nigga asked me if I was pregnant, and there's a really long pause when I think about life and the mistakes that I've made. He's not one of them now that he's out. Um, so I answered by saying I'm not pregnant. I had to bust down why I wasn't pregnant. And he said back without hesitation, you look pregnant. Really pregnant. <laughs> and that's when I realized my kids don't like me. My kids don't want to hang out. Those What? What? Who Who says that? You're so precious. I wanted to clown my kid, but he was five. It was all going to go over his head. My feelings were hurt. My feelings were, <laughs> I was I was taken aback by a five-year-old asking me why my stomach was so big. And I couldn't say because you don't finish the food that I cook for you. So somebody has to eat it. Is that, a, is that a good excuse? I feel like that's a good excuse. I feel like that works. Deidre, hi. You still here? Like I'm here. I don't know where Deidre is. Right? I feel like we lost Deidre. Like, all the parent talk was just like, you know what? She's but, like, I'm good. But <laughs> I think that's the bottom line. If you don't have kids, it is quite alright that you don't have kids because nine times out of ten, you're still providing some sort of a service um, to us, the non-parents. I don't know what service you provide to the kids. I don't really care because they're not your kids. But you provide a service to me because when I need to get the fuck away from my kids, I know I can go to your house. What? And just have a peaceful, quiet. You know, I'm, I, I get sad now that Barnes & Noble is closing down and Borders is closing down because there's no more safe spaces for me, a book reader, to go to without my kids asking me what the fuck I'm reading. Oh, my God. And you can't go to Starbucks and read. Nope, I'll get shot. I tried that once, and they stared at me because I don't even like coffee. So I just went in there and sat down because that's what all the white folks were doing. They sitting back there. One nigga was writing a fucking book. <laughs> Somebody was writing a book using their Wi-Fi, just all happy. Um, Owl City was playing in the background, that song about the fireflies. You might not believe your eyes when six million fireflies. That song was <laughs> They were in there typing. Everything was all happy. And I went in there with my book and just sat down and read. And I felt just weird because they kept walking past me. And they don't come behind the, from behind the counter. They don't deliver drinks to us. Why are you walking past me over and over again? <clears throat> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So I went up front and I got an ice water. I didn't know that you couldn't do that. I you can't get ice water. I didn't. I. I guess not. They were looking at me like we. Don't, what? Do you want an iced coffee? No, I don't drink coffee. Can I just have water? Nope. <sighs> nope. 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 Just, I, 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 well, I, you know what I said. I when I on Mother's Day we were talking about this and I said we need to start attaching. A coffee shop to all the barber shops, and that will be the safe space where black people can go and sit the fuck down for no other reason besides to go sit the fuck down. See, the only issue that I have with that is that nine times out of ten, the barber shop, unfortunately, and I'm just keeping it a hundred nine times out of ten, the barber shop isn't a safe space for all black people. Why? 
Barbershops have a lot of people in there who have these uh, still disjointed ideas about women. Barbershops have these disjointed ideas about uh, gay, lesbian, and trans folks, queer folks. They just, it's not always the safest space to be at for everybody. But well, no, but America is not the safe place for us to be, but somehow we figure it out. Yeah. You know, like. But that... I'm making an actual safe space. I want to know mm-hmm. from the gate. I don't want you to have to come in and, and make your own safe space. You know, it's not like. An I feel like if campus. my son, if I had to tell my son where he could stop. I feel right now like the only place my son could stop is at a barbershop because when I've gone to the barbershop, I don't know about anybody else. So when I take my boys to get their haircut, usually the crazy stuff stops when I walk through the door. Maybe that's just the ones that I'd go to and I get lucky, but usually all the crazy talk will stop when I come through the door and they don't they don't talk about women in a really weird way. You know, they they bring it down when the little ones come in or when the women come in mm. and they speak nicely to my kids and everyone's black. So my kids for a few minutes are looking at a bunch of grown men being respectful towards each other. And it makes me feel OK. I so I don't know. I feel that. Um and and I, I I do find that there are a lot of shops that are trying to become more family oriented in mm-hmm. the black community uh, because for a long time we have said that the barbershop is that place of uh, comfort and and learning and and open exchange for black folks but for a long time it was just black men. Uh, so it's almost like walking into a cigar lounge for white people. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, whenever I've gone, I've had, a, you know, men shake my son's hand. How you doing, man? You know, try to talk to him like he's a grown man a little bit and um, correcting them if they felt like my son was out of line a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. talk. Yeah, don't do. talk to your mom that way. Like men... It's funny to me how there's this stereotype about black men's non-involvement in children's lives when black men are actually quite nurturing to children. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where that stereotype has come from, but there's all kinds of memes about, you know, just uh, there, there's a meme with a white girl in it. It's like once you get pregnant by a black guy, you're automatically a single mom. Like, I'm just like, but that's not the case. Like, where is this coming from? Black men are totally involved in their kids' lives. Like, I don't, I don't know where that comes from. Uh, the same place. A lot of, you know, where it comes from. Yeah. You know, um, but <sighs> yeah, no, nah, it, 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 it's a beautiful place to go to. It's just not always. Some sometimes there's places where we're still ironing out the wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Um. So, you know what, Janae, go ahead and uh, let people know again where they can actually. What the hell's your show? What's it about? Never got to it. <laughs> that's true. Um. So it started as Black Kid Magic, and then Black people scared me out of that name. Um, so I just turned it to something else. And now you're kind of convincing me to go back to the original name. 
Um, and so basically, I think this energy kind of spurred from my daughter's experience at school and the lack of representation of um, just positive characters on television mm-hmm. or in books and stuff. So my daughter goes to this school where these kids are very rough. Um, they just to give like a small singular example for, I mean, maybe two examples. So the first example is a little boy in art class drew a penis on a piece of paper and then shoved it into her face. Um, then one day she's walking home and a boy says to her, when I grow up, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to have a shotgun and I'm going to have lots of maids and people working for me. And if they don't do what I say, I'm going to make them get down on their knees and point my gun at them and make them suck my dick. Wait, what? Now, yes. And this is he's either in the fourth or fifth grade because this is an elementary school and my daughter's in the fourth grade. And I'm just like, where the fuck did he get that from? Like, what? He had it all figured out. And on a daily basis, first of all, my daughter is kind of, um, she's got kind of an androgynous look. She's not, you know, she's not a super frilly feminine girl. Mm-hmm. She's, um, and so she's called names all the time about how she looks. Are you a boy? You know, all this other stuff. And I'm just like, oh, God, they can't just be kids and fucking play. Like, why does my daughter have to get all of this hate? And so it started with just like a character, um, just a little brown girl being strong. And I am listening to this book called The 48 Laws of Power. And The 48 Laws of Power is written by a guy named, uh, oh, I forget his name right now, but he uh, he explains each of these different laws of how to be powerful or to put yourself in a powerful position. And it allows you to be strategic and he gives all kinds of historical examples for each of the laws. And then I thought, there's no examples of women seeking power that I can think of like not, not no examples. There's not a lot of examples of women seeking power and also being considered, you know, women. Like typically women are not cast in roles where they have to be strategic and powerful and lead the day or whatever. And so I thought I'll create a character. She's a little girl. She's in the sixth grade and she is parented by um, homosexual mothers and one of her mothers passes away. And so she decides to go into the old books of her late mother. And one of the books in the box is The 48 Laws of Power. So Zora is her name and she's very um, a strategic child. She's mathematically inclined. She likes to compete and she likes to plan, um, which are not typically traits that you find in women, let alone black female characters. And so um, with each episode, I'm trying uh, with each episode, she's in a different place in her pursuit of power. Um, So let's see, I'm trying to remember a little bit. So like (sighs) the first law of power is don't outshine the master. So when you are 
seeking power, everyone has a master at some point, you know, a leader, someone who is in a higher place than you. Don't outshine your master. What you want to do is make your master look good so that you become indispensable to them. That gives you power because then they want to give you things. And in return, you gain power by making them look good. But if you outshine them, then they'll do what they can to get rid of you because they become threatened by you. So that's the first law of power. Don't outshine the master. So in the first episode um, of Zora and the 48 Laws, um, Zora wants to become math ambassador, which is basically a position in her math class where she, whenever she's done with her work, she can walk around and help the rest of her classmates. She really wants to do this because she likes helping her classmates do math. So um, she remembers the first law of power when Sheila, who is very competitive with Zora, points out that the teacher made a mistake on the board. And so uh, Sheila's like, I can't believe her. She made a mistake. And Zora is thinking, should I go tell the teacher that she made a mistake or should I just do what I know will get me the job, which is being helpful because the whole math ambassador job is about being helpful to your classmates. So Zora decides, I think I'll keep my seat. But Sheila goes up. Oh, miss, um, you did this wrong. And in front of the whole class, she calls the teacher out. You did this wrong. Erases the teacher's work, redoes it herself. And um, Sheila doesn't end up getting the job because Sheila didn't do what the job required, which was to be helpful. Zora did what she was supposed to do, which was be helpful. It wasn't important to Zora to point out the teacher's mistake because she didn't think it was smart. So she acted strategically and she got what she was going for. She got the job um, of math ambassador in her classroom. Um, and then the next law of power is... Um, uh, what is it? Learn how to use your enemies. Something about don't give your friends too much trust. Learn how to use your enemies. And so in that episode, Zora has to decide whether or not she wants to work on a math project with her her best friend who isn't very committed or if she wants to work with Sheila, who is normally very competitive, but she knows that Sheila loves to win just as much as she does. And she's very smart. So, you know, these are decisions that little kids have to make on a daily basis. Like, are you going to be responsible? And so Zora decides, I'm still Vicky's friend, which is her friend. But um, Sheila and I are going to work together because I know that my goal is to win. So I'm going to partner with someone who can help me reach my goal. And so the importance of Zora is to embody a young girl who is being competitive but she's being competitive for reasons that are noble. So she's competing for math ambassador because she loves how it feels to help her classmates learn math. Um, she competes for things for noble reasons. She doesn't compete for the sake of power itself, but she wants to gain power so that when she decides she wants to be generous, she's in the position to be generous. And then um, and then on the side, Zora has a younger brother who is a bit more introverted. And um, and so he has his little story spinoffs where he goes through things on the edges of the story. And then he tells kids something different that Zora's story didn't quite tell us. Um, and so then I have positive affirmations 
um, that are I'm posting on there. You know, I am safe. I am a problem solver. Like there's, I have hundreds of them, uh, like about 150, and I've only gotten through maybe seven or eight of them. So I've got a lot of positive affirmations to post. And then, um, and I want to do more, but there's only so much that I can do with my time because I'm also um, an audiobook producer and I'm working on a couple of projects right now. But Zora is, is very important to me. And I I would really I hope that she has a future beyond my podcast. But that's what it's about. Yeah, you, you can't call it woke folk. You can't call it woke kids. You can't. You can't. Okay. So what 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 do I call this podcast? It's Zora's black, right? She is black, yeah. The community she's in is primarily in your mind because it's your it's your world that you built. When you picture this community, what's the community? Um, well, her best friend is a Hispanic boy who is is um transgender. Okay. Um her parents are black. Her parent now that her mother is a widow. And Sheila is an Italian girl. Okay. So white. Um and I her teachers are black. I've given them African last names. Um so all of the people who have power are black, but the world isn't all black, so all the characters won't be black. But the two teachers that I've written in are both black with African last names. Zora is the main character who is black. Her brother is black. Her mom is black. Um, I'm trying to throw in as much diversity as I can, which is why I have her best friend as a Hispanic transgender child who is, you know, dealing with those types of issues on the side. Um, but mainly the concept was to come up with black characters who are portraying, who are displaying traits that we don't often see. Like her younger brother is an introverted child who thinks a lot and he likes to do research. Um, And he's, he feels strongly about finding information and not being a slave to anyone else's explanation. Um, and these two children are not emotional children. Girls typically are portrayed as very emotional. But Zora's relationship with her mother is mom is more emotionally inclined than Zora is. And so often Zora has to be reminded to re- to think about people's emotions because Zora is fa- very uh, mathematic about everything. Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? And typically women aren't portrayed that way. But what I have found in working um, just this one year in the school where I'm working, there are a lot of girls who are like that. But for some reason in the media, we are not portrayed as being strategic thinkers. Um, We're portrayed as being overly emotional, weak, unable to handle strength, uh, unable to handle power. And um, and it's just so inaccurate. So that's why I gave Zora the personality that she has. Um, because I I don't know of anyone else who is is quite like her. Yeah. I, it's not my story. It's not mm-hmm. my world. 
it's not my characters. But I feel like it's, well, I know that it's yours. The name of the book, the name of the show, the name of the, the world is yours. You shouldn't give license to that sort of stuff to outsiders. No matter what, yeah. you know, even if they have the best intentions, it's not their world. That's like me coming up to you and saying, you know, what, what, uh, what's your son's name? Gabriel. That's like me coming up to you while, while you're still pregnant with Gabriel and saying, you know what? Gabriel seems like a really nice name, but I would name him Charles. <laughs> okay good for you but it's not your kid it's not your yeah. decision it's my kid and it's my decision and your show is your baby your book is your baby your creative your your creative process it is everything outside of your family you can't let somebody else tell you how it's gonna be that's like letting somebody else uh, step into your life and just take a piece of your life and say, I'm running this part now. That's not how it works. So I'm not going right. to say what you should name your show. I'm just going to say that you had a name for your show. That you like. <laughs> oh, well, well, no, no, no. Completely independent. If it was a name that I hated, if it was something that you came up with, I just never want people to change their mind because somebody else says that you should change your mind. Yeah. Because that's just not how this should work. My answer to everybody who tells me to do something, honestly, at this juncture in time, is I will give that all the consideration I feel it deserves. That's a good response. Because <laughs> that can mean just about anything. Exactly. And the folks who are telling you to name your show that, they're not pledging their allegiance to your show. If you change yeah. your show to that name, they're not going to suddenly, I named that show. I'm going to be one of the best listeners. That's not how this works. That's very true. You may as well be happy with your stuff, your beauty, your name, your world. And to all y'all out there who are listening to this, same thing. Like, if there's something that you got going on that you adore doing, if you really are strongly in belief of it, don't let anybody steal your joy. Don't let anybody steal your time. Don't let anybody steal your progress. Don't. There's going to be people all the time who have the best intentions. I swear to God, they have the best intentions in mind, but they're not helping you. You might have to ignore them for a while. Maybe name yeah. an episode, Woke Kids. And just stick with your name or name one of your episodes Black Kid Magic and stick with the other name or make your own new name. But whatever you're going to do, it has to be you. I agree. Uh, this single simulcast episode 295. Wow. We're getting close to 300 every day. Wow. Um, Again, to those of all who are listening, uh, we appreciate you. Shantae will be back on Friday. Um, even though the seasons are changing, some folks still may need 
help. And we are here for you. I need help all the time. Uh, my mind, my thoughts, my emotions, they're not always where I will want them to be, even in the sunniest of days. You're, you're, the temperature does not always control your emotions. And it's okay. Um, we're here. Uh, inbox us on Facebook. DM us on Twitter. Email us. We will listen. If you need us to talk, we'll talk, but mostly we'll listen. And without judgment and without fear of it getting to anybody else. I'm not saying that we're counselors. We are not that good, but <laughs> we will give you an, an unjudging ear. Um, because sometimes when you're feeling alone, that's that may be all you need to help you see that you're not walking this path by yourself. We are we we are walking with you. Um, again, this single simulcast episode 295. Uh, thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, Janaya, thank you so much for stopping by. Deidre, wherever you went to, thank you so much for stopping by. I greatly appreciate both of y'all. We'll holler at you later. Y'all be good. Peace. This is single simulcast. Don't know about now, did you say?